Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. WSBT Radio Studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, the madness has already started. The NCAA tournament will kick off with those first four games in Dayton on Tuesday, but the wackiness this week is preparing us for what's going to happen next week. The darling right now of championship week the Ohio State Buckeyes, the 13 seed in the Big Ten tournament out of 14 teams. They are still alive, and they have won three times already, including just a couple of moments ago, closing out Michigan State. Welcome to the Madness. Seven minutes after 5 o'clock, I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Our program until 6.30 tonight, then at 6.30 we take you to Greensboro for coverage of the ACC Tournament Semifinals, Duke and Miami in Game 1, Clemson versus Virginia in Game 2. We've got a lot of basketball to get to on the program today. WHME's Chuck Freebie will join me to talk some Hoosier hysteria and a little Notre Dame football. That conversation at 5.30. Coming up at about 5.50. It will be Mishawaka pre-regional interviews as they get set to take on Hammond Central. Mishawaka hosted a media day earlier this week. Also coming up at 6.06, a little more hysteria talk with Mark Johnson, the former LaSalle, Riley St. Joe head coach. He'll join me to talk some hysteria at around 6.06, a little sizzlered in the program. Then it's off to Greensboro for the ACC tournament semifinals and away we go with our hat trick of opening topics for tonight we start with Notre Dame football and the new quarterback of the fighting Irish Sam Hartman stellar career at Wake Forest jumped into the portal and quickly landed at the University of Notre Dame he met the media earlier this week for the first time it was a long wait but it was worth the wait and Hartman was asked how he can grow as a quarterback by being the guy at the University of Notre Dame. 
Um, I mean, I think it kind of goes back. Um, I think that there's, you know, just an opportunity to come in and, and, and show the, the leadership and show, you know, the ability to come into a new place and, and really just assert yourself and, and understand, you know, the dynamics of every individual on this team. And, um, you know, something I, you know, hang my hat on at Wake is, you know, every year it's a whole new team, but, you know, you establish relationships that, you know, go through a bad play or a bad game or a bad week. and. Um, that's you know the goal here is just be an established leader and established teammate, and you know do whatever it takes for the Irish to win. Put all the team goals aside that Sam Hartman will hope to achieve, but from the standpoint of his future, this is a great opportunity to lead that Wake Forest mesh offense, go to more of a pro style offense, show what he can do in this style offense that. He might be trying to run at the National Football League level. If he went to the draft this year, late draft pick at best, maybe a free agent, comes to Notre Dame, can run this, what we assume is, like what we have seen, more of a pro-style offense. He can set him up to make a little more money on draft day a year from now. But first things first, winning a lot of football games for Notre Dame, and that probably means throwing bundles of touchdown passes. Here is Sam Hartman on the Notre Dame culture that he has now had the opportunity to see up close and personal the last month or so. Um, you know, they work, you know, extremely hard. Uh, you know, it's you know, cultivated by probably uh, Coach Bayless the most and um, you know, that breeds a lot of tough times and you know, those tough times breed, you know, some, some friendships just based on like, you know, the struggle. And, um, and again, they, they know how to, you know, make things fun and uh, enjoy themselves as well. And um, I think just, the, you know, the little locker room interactions and whatnot of, you know, you just, you, you, you miss them when you're out of it and, and you really don't realize it. But from playing for as long as I have and, you know, the off seasons and whatnot, you, uh, you realize that that stuff's special. And um, it's been, uh, been very cool to be a part of so far. Well, it is a family atmosphere at Notre Dame under head coach Marcus Freeman. And also, Sam Hartman was asked to talk about the offensive pieces that will surround him in 2023. I mean, up front, you know, they're pretty good, right, from what I've been hearing. Um, and then, obviously, all around, just some great athletes. And, I mean, I think it goes beyond our offensive team, but even defensively, you know, um, guys like J.D., Kaiser, like Cam Hart, some veterans. Um, again, those relationships, like I had class with them, and just talking to them, just seeing how they see things, how it works here. Um, obviously, it's just different for me. So, you know, all the little insights, how they're running their defense for spring ball, like what can I, you know, what can I gain from there? It's just, it's all over. It's just a lot of guys that love ball, and um, it's been cool to be a part of. Are you spring practice has started across the country. We have to wait a little longer here in South Bend. The first Notre Dame spring practice is 12 days away. Hat trick topic number two to start tonight's program. The Big Ten Tournament preparing us for the wackiness of the NCAA Tournament. We'll start with holding serve the number one seed, the Purdue Boilermakers, on the floor at the United Center for the first time in this Big Ten Tournament. A tight ball game with Rutgers. Got off to a slow start. Down 17-10, Purdue rebounded to take a one-point lead at halftime, outscored the Knights 41-37 in the second half. Final score, Purdue 70 and Rutgers 65. A nice win for Purdue, a team that has not been able to handle Rutgers the last two years. They got it done today in the Big Ten Tournament. For Purdue, Mason Gillis 
seven out of eight from the field. He had 20 points and nine rebounds, including grabbing five of Purdue's 12 offensive boards against what always is a good Rutgers rebounding team. Zach Eady, the unicorn, only had 11 shots in the game, made six, 16 points, 11 rebounds for Eady. Now the freshman guards, a lot of focus on them. What are they going to be able to do in March? Well, for Braden Smith, 3 of 8 from the field, 0 of 4 from the three-point line, had 8 points, 5 assists, a couple of turnovers. Another rough day for Fletcher Lawyer, 0 of 5 from the field, all of his points from the free-throw line. He had 4 points in the ballgame. And also another quiet day for Brandon Newman, 0-4 from the field. He had a point and six rebounds. But doing some work off the bench for Purdue, Ethan Morton had eight points, hit a couple of threes. And how about David Jenkins, Jr., 4 of 4 from the field, 3 of 3 from the three-point line, 12 points and a couple of rebounds with two assists off the Boilermaker bench. The Boilermaker bench produced 21 points in the ballgame. Purdue 27-5. and they beat Rutgers 70-65. to And who do the Boilermakers get in the semifinals? How about the 13 seed, the Ohio State Buckeyes, who led for most of the ballgame. I would say three-quarters of the ballgame. The Buckeyes had the lead. Ohio State downs Michigan State 68-58. to Michigan State put on a big spurt to start the second half. They were down nine at halftime. They got to within 36-34. Ohio State called timeout, and just like that, the lead was back to double digits as the Buckeyes surged right back at Michigan State. And the Buckeyes got it done. Three wins in three days for Purdue that entered this tournament with a record of 13-18. and For Michigan State, They allowed Ohio State to hit 10 of 19 three-point shots, and that was a major factor in the ballgame, while Michigan State was 3 of 16. The three teams that Ohio State has played in the Big Ten tournament have not shot the three ball well. That opens the door for the underdog to get it done, and Ohio State now over halfway to stealing a bid to the NCAA tournament, but now they take on the top seed, The Purdue Boilermakers, that game will be tomorrow at 1 o'clock on CBS. Next up, Penn State and Northwestern. That game will get started at 6.30 Eastern time. And then the final game of the day, the Indiana Ball Club. The Hoosiers taking on the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland beat IU by one on their home floor earlier this year. I picked Purdue and Indiana in my championship game with Purdue winning. Boilermakers one step closer. IU Maryland, that should be a terrific ball game tonight. And finally, we wrap up our hat trick of opening topics for tonight with just a couple of thoughts on something that probably will be picking up steam here in the next two weeks, and that is who is going to be the next head basketball coach at the University of of Notre Dame. Well, right now, a lot of things happening behind the scenes. You're in a situation where you can't make direct contact if you're Notre Dame with some of these source or some of these coaches that might be interested. Back channel, agents, friends. I'm sure Mr. Swarbrick has an idea who is interested, who is not interested. 
Recently, Swarbrick had this to say about the coaching search. I'm in the middle of it right now. It's a little challenging to be engaged in a search during the season. I'm careful not to be distracting other coaches. I'm talking to agents principally or friends of these coaches we have an interest in. It takes a little more time when you're doing it in this window, but we've made great progress. We can absolutely attract a great coach. I think our practice facility is the best in the country. We have a perfect arena. The ACC is a great basketball conference and a conference with some potential opportunity as Coach K has moved on, Coach Williams, and some other coaches in the conference. I think there's a chance to build your position in the ACC. And, of course, the school represents everything a lot of coaches are looking for. Longtime Notre Dame writer Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated put this tweet out. A source tells him Notre Dame continues to fine-tune its candidate pool based on its hiring criteria for the men's basketball head coaching position. Interview process has been underway and will continue to progress as candidates finish the season. Well, we had Mike Lightfoot on the program yesterday, the longtime Bethel College head coach. We talked a little bit about Mike Bray and what he would be looking for if he was in charge of hiring the next Notre Dame coach. You know, for me, my number one choice in a perfect world would be Micah Shrewsbury. A couple of years at Penn State, starting to turn around that program. Formerly head coach at IU South Bend. That's not really a factor. That's just kind of a nugget thrown into the conversation. But I love the way he teaches. Strong, defensive-minded coach. They're very, I think, mentally strong. They've got some physicality to them. And I'm just thinking about coaches that can come to Notre Dame may not necessarily get five-star recruits or the ultimate high-end guys, but coaches that can put together a roster that fit well together and can execute and play really good ACC conference basketball. I'm not a big fan of running and gunning with some of these programs. I love the way Virginia plays. I think they play smart, not necessarily saying you have to play like Virginia, but Penn State's a little more methodical, although they can score a lot of points. They had 79 last night. I think he is an extremely brilliant head coach, worked under Matt Painter at Purdue, was an assistant coach in the NBA with the Boston Celtics. He's got that pedigree. He's got that experience. Some of the strategy in the NBA, of course, crosses over to college basketball. I have no idea if he'd be interested in leaving Penn State that quickly. Does he see Notre Dame a step up from Penn State? Penn State has very little basketball tradition the last 30, 40 years. Notre Dame has a little bit more than that, of course. So, again, that's just a name I'm throwing out there. That's just watching Big Ten basketball each week. I admire him. I talked to some of the Penn State folks who were here for a hockey game and just we kicked around how good of a coach Shrewsbury is, and they absolutely love him in Happy Valley. So that's the guy at the top of my wish list. No idea if if he'd be interested or if Notre Dame's interested, but that's a guy that I really admire. Soon enough, we'll know who the new head coach is.
521 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. That's our hat trick of opening topics. Sam Hartman on where he can grow as a quarterback at Notre Dame. Ohio State causing some wackiness in the Big Ten tournament. The 13-seeded Buckeyes, the lowest-seeded team to ever make the Big Ten tournament semifinals. They will take on Purdue tomorrow. And the Notre Dame basketball coaching search. Coming up in a couple of moments, you'll hear from a good friend, Chuck Freeby from WHME, WNDU. We'll talk some Notre Dame football and a little bit more in regard to Hoosier hysteria. He'll be calling the John Glenn South Bend Washington game tomorrow, one of the more interesting games on the docket. Tomorrow we'll get to that conversation coming up in a couple of moments. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the family inn. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. And Pet Refuge urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. It is 527 on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And next week's NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. A reminder, our sister station, 96.1 The Ton. At about 1.30 tomorrow, we're going to stop the boot scooting boogieing, and we're going to change gears to Hoosier Hysteria. Brian Miller will call both games of the Michigan City Regional 1.30 pregame Eastern time, 2 o'clock Eastern time start. The number two team in 4A, the Penn Kingsman, taking on Chesterton. And then in the nightcap at 5 o'clock Eastern time, it'll be Mishawaka taking on third-ranked Hammond Central. So check out 96.1 The Ton for some Hoosier Hysteria basketball live tomorrow. And there's some pretty good action at South Bend, Washington tomorrow as well as we have doubleheader action. One of those games will be the 46th game of the week. And that's why we bring aboard the voice of high school sports in our area, Chuck Freeby, the voice of the 46th game of the week with Bo Hunt and Craig Heatherly. Chuck, it's good to talk to you as always. Always one of the best times of the year. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I don't know that the boot scoot boogie stops at 1.30. Have you ever seen Hecklinski call a game? Well, you know what? Heck's not going to be there, so someone's going to have to pick well, up the slack for him. Okay. There you go. <laughs> well, good to talk to you. And I, I said this to you guys over in LaPorte last week, but thank you for what you guys do for high school sports. The job you do broadcasting the game the pictures the graphics it's like the games on espn and i know it's not easy to put on those games so on behalf of all of us parents and fans who get you know our teams put in the spotlight a little bit with the 46 game of the week we greatly appreciate what you do well our crew has about 15 people on it and wow i always say in the rollout that you know it's a it's a crew of people who are passionate about what they do and they do just such a terrific job, led by our production manager, Dean Corsmo. And uh, a lot of the guys aren't full-timers at the station. They just come in for high school basketball and high school football, and that's, that's how much it means to them. So 
do appreciate it. You bet. And you guys have, I think, a dandy. You've got John Glenn taking on South Bend, Washington, the 3A South Bend, Washington Regional. Game two of the day. That'll be your 46th game of the week. And, Chuck, I guess South Bend, Washington's in a familiar spot. You know, they lost to Marion Big earlier in the year. They beat him in the sectional. And now here we are again. If I'm not mistaken, John Glenn put it to him pretty good on their home floor against Washington during the regular season. So, again, a chance for redemption for the Panthers. I know that you know who John Harrell is, but for some of your listeners who may not know, John Harrell runs a website that is is—it's basically the, the reference source for broadcasters like Darren and I to go yep. to over the course of a year. And I emailed John this week. He has not responded. I'm sure he's a busy man, but I'm curious if there is a team that has gone through the tournament and avenged two 20-point losses at any point during the tournament. Because remember, Washington already did that to Marion. They lost 69-49 in the regular season and turned around and beat them in the sectional semifinal last Saturday morning. And now they've got a team that they lost to by 21 coming into their place where they haven't lost all year. And I think it's, it's going to be exciting. I just hope folks in South Bend, let's put on a good show tomorrow. Let, let's put on the best face of this city possible because there's going to be a lot of eyes on the great western forum tomorrow it's about the kids it's about the it young is men. about the kids and, and that's and, it and and the kids had nothing to do with the first incident and i guarantee you they wouldn't have anything to do with anything going on now they just want to play basketball yeah. and they have to feel really good about themselves chuck because to go through marion and a young but very talented South Bend St. Joe team, their confidence level has to be off the chart right now. And it is. They are a confident bunch right now. Now, you have to remember about this Washington team. Clearly, Marcus Northern is their leader. 15.5 points a game, a senior. He's got over 1,100 points in his career. And he's got some other seniors around him, like Terrence Reed and Tyshawn Grundy. And then Eric Nocentelli, the move in from Elkhart this year, which has helped them dramatically. Ryan Varga makes no bones about that. But not only did you add Nocentelli, you added this freshman in Stephen Reynolds III, who gets a lot of attention, had, had some big games this year. He's scoring about 13 a game. To add in two new pieces to a veteran group and have them adapt as well as they have, says a lot for Ryan Varga and his Panther way, and it says a lot about the young men that were already there. Chuck, you take a look at the opponent, John Glenn. It had been a while since they had won a sectional. I thought Tippy Valley would come out of that sectional. Mishawaka played them earlier this year and was highly impressed with Tippy Valley, but here they are coming on to win the sectional, now moving on to the regional. What makes John Glenn tick? Well, they have a unicorn, and that's the coach's son, Bryson Hanna. You know, Travis Hanna, successful coach, won a state championship at Oregon Davis, had never won a sectional at John Glenn. Now in his son's senior year, they're able to hoist that trophy. But Bryson Hanna is a player that dates back to when you and I were in high school. Darren, 6'4", mm. strong as an ox. Someday my thighs might be as big as his calves. <laughs> I mean, he is just a load down low. And he is the kind of player that teams aren't used to having to deal with. And then you have the length of this John Glenn team. You've got guys like Joe Shrap-Louis, who's 6'2", and Noah Dreibelbiss, who's 6'2". 
and Joey Shu, who's six four. So a little bit like, and I hope people in Washington don't take this wrong, a little bit like a poor man's Northwood from the standpoint of their wingspan and their ability to cover defensively creates a lot of problems for teams, especially teams who like to shoot the three as much as Washington tried to do down at John Glenn. Now, the one thing I've noticed about Washington lately, Darren, is the fact that they have seen their three-point shooting percentage go down, but they've been more willing to attack the basket. And I think that's going to be a key for them against John Glenn tomorrow. I know Joe well from John Glenn. Fastball's about 88 mile an hour, so I'm sure that wing's getting ready to go, but many more basketball games hopefully to play for that particular team. All right, so that's the big, big game on the 46th game of the week. Any thoughts on Northwood and Lake Station Edison, which I don't know a whole lot about, but I know Northwood's as good as anybody in the state. Northwood looked tremendous. What a defensive performance they put on Monday night on 46, Mm. holding West Noble to just seven points in the second half. I mean, that's unheard of against a team with that kind of firepower, but that's the kind of defensive pressure that Aaron Wolf's team puts on you, and they are the number one scoring defense in the state of Indiana. They'll get a test from Lake Station. Lake Station had not won a sectional since 1941 until – last weekend they have four players who score in double figures armani gonzalez willie miller right around 17 points a game then you got guys like adam eastland and travis randolph so they're a solid team the big red flag that i see when i look on lake station is their schedule i I just don't know that they played as competitive i know they didn't play as competitive a schedule as northwood did um i just wonder how ready they are for this kind of environment are they just happy to be here, or are they really looking to see if they can knock off the number one team? I will say the longer an underdog stays in it, the better the chance they have. So yeah. if I'm Northwood, I've got to come in with a Sharks mentality and just try to get them out of there as quickly as possible. Chuck Freebie is my guest, and before we leave that sectional, when will the John Glenn-Washington game air on 46? good point Darren and this will be great for your people who go to Michigan City to watch that sectional is we're not airing that game until 9 p.m. so you got plenty of time to to get back home uh, get your dinner around and you can sit around have a a late pizza or something like that and watch the game between Glenn and Washington on 46 at 9 now we will live stream it through the IHSA website at 4 p.m. Okay, very good. Chuck, just a general thought or two on Michigan City, Penn against Chesterton, Mishawaka against Hammond Central. Uh, Your thoughts on our two area teams? How many times does Penn get to wear the chip on its shoulder of revenge, (laughs) but they get to do that against Chesterton, the the team that knocked them out of the tournament last year? And, of course, Chesterton was a senior-laden team last year. They really have a, a lot of sophomores on the roster this year, but that's a credit to Mark Urban. 800 winning percentage over the course of his career at Chesterton. The man knows what he's doing. He's got an offense, a defensive specialist, excuse me, by the name of Owen Guest, who will try to guard Marcus Burton. Owen, good luck. <laughs> 30 <laughs> points a game, my man. That's what's coming at you. One of the all-time leading scorers in Indiana basketball history. He went into the top 30 last weekend. I still like Al Rhodes' team in there. I think one thing that Al's team doesn't get credit for because there's so much of a spotlight on Burton 
boy, do they play good defense. And again, rangy people. They If they go into that 1-3-1 one, one, or 2-3 with Josh Gatete up top, are you kidding me? The wingspan on that guy, it's like going up against the pterodactyl. So <laughs> that's a that's a difficult puzzle for Chesterton to solve. Clearly, Penn is the favorite in that one. And I, I have to be honest, clearly Hammond Central is the favorite. If you look at the lineup going up against Mishawaka, uh, this is not Larry Moore's first rodeo. He's brought a lot of good Hammond teams to regionals before, but has never been able to get that title. Now with a one-game regional, can he do it? He's got some really good balance on this team. Uh, I think Jordan Woods is their guard, and he's kind of their go-to guy, about 6'3". So a bit of a difficult matchup from Mishawaka for their guards. Uh, but they just have so many different guys who've made a contribution. Vince Overshawn, Kenneth Grant, Matt King had a heck of a sectional for Hammond. So tough for Mishawaka, maybe athletically to match up with. On the other hand, you could have made a lot of money betting on the cavemen this year as underdogs because it seemed like every time they went into one of those, including almost that entire sectional, uh, Bodie Bender's squad found ways to win. Uh, I think the the readdition of Brady Fisher to the lineup right before the sectional was a huge confidence boost for that team. And then they've had some people step up. I mean, Arthur Jones is the point guard, obviously, and, and he makes things go. I'm not just blowing smoke. Cooper Pritchett played the game of his life Monday night with 21 points. It's easy to score when you got Arthur Jones breaking down a defense and giving you the ball for a layup. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll, I'll say hey, that. You but still got to hit the layup. You do. Hey, I know you're a Bears fan. Let me point this out. Adam Schefter of ESPN is reporting the Bears are trading the number one overall pick to Carolina for pick number nine this year, pick number 61 this year, a first-round pick in 24, a second-round pick in 25, and wide receiver DJ Moore. That's Adam Schefter of ESPN. How about that? Well, I, th- I think that's probably wow. the best deal that the Bears could get with that. That's a lot of draft picks, a lot of number one draft picks. Yeah. And you need another receiver. DJ Moore's not a bad receiver. I mean, he, you, you wouldn't make him the centerpiece of that draft. Certainly, uh, certainly the centerpiece of that trade are the draft picks. But, okay, hmm. all right. All right. That's Adam Schefter's report anyway. Hey, one more thing I want to get to real quick, Chuck. Obviously, you have covered Notre Dame football for a good amount of time. I'm just I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking back to a year ago at this time, the things that I had question marks about with that Notre Dame football team. And now I'm sitting here with another checklist of things that I have questions about. I have more questions about this year's team than last year's team. Now, last year was a lot about the quarterback and who was going to be good at wide receiver. They've got a pretty good quarterback this time around, but I just see a lot of other parts of the football team that I need to be convinced that it's going to be as good or better than last year. What are your thoughts? Well, I think defensive line is a huge question mark on this team going into the spring. And where do the pass rush come from? Where, where do the sacks come from, from this defensive line? I, I think that's a massive question. I think the safeties are a big question on this team right now. I know they got the young man from Oklahoma State as a transfer, but I'm not convinced that he's necessarily the answer. You know, and, and Brandon Joseph came over last year. He was good. He wasn't great. He wasn't the All-American that he had been at Northwestern. Uh, so safeties remain 
a question mark on that team. Obviously, the core of the defense, that linebacking core, is all back. But, uh, again, where where's the rover? Who plays mm-hmm. that position? And then offensively, you don't replace somebody like Michael Mayer, although they've got good depth at tight end. I hope the addition of Caleb Smith is almost as important as the addition of Sam Hartman in that it gives you a quality receiver. But I think the addition of Hartman on offense helps open things up for somebody like a Tobias Merriweather who really had problems just getting on the field last year. Now you got a guy that can throw it deep, and you just send Merriweather on the go pattern and say, go get it. Very good. Well, hopefully, Chuck, we've got three area teams to talk about next week heading to semi-state, at least our immediate area. There's a really good chance that could happen, so we'll keep our fingers crossed. And, folks, the 46th game of the week, Saturday at 9 o'clock, you will see the replay of John Glenn and South Bend, Washington. Chuck, have a great call. I always appreciate your time. And best wishes to all from the 46th crew. Again, thanks to all of them for the job they do. Happy to do it, and hey, good luck as a dad tomorrow, all right, my man? I appreciate it. I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. All right, Darren. Thank you. WHME, WNDU's Chuck Freeby joining me here on WSBT Radio. It's 543. Media day for Mishawaka High School was on Wednesday. I handled a couple of interviews. The leading scorer, Arthur Jones, he was playing coy with the media. He wasn't doing any interviews, so I talked to Brady Fisher, this Cooper Pritchett guy, and also Bodie Bender. Those interviews are next on WSBT. When it comes to wings. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Big day in Indiana for Hoosier Hysteria tomorrow as we have reached the regional round over at South Bend, Washington. A great doubleheader. The number one team in 3A, Northwood, taking on Lake Station. Then it's John Glenn versus South Bend, Washington in Game 2. 4A at Michigan City. The number two team in the state, the Penn Kingsman, will face Chesterton. And also, you've got a matchup between Mishawaka and Hammond Central over at Michigan City. The Penn game at 2 o'clock, Mishawaka at 5. You can hear both games on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Earlier this week, I went over to the cave to do a couple of interviews with the Mishawaka Cavemen. You're going to hear from Brady Fisher, Cooper Pritchett, and head coach Bodie Bender. I'm joined by junior forward Brady Fisher as the Cavemen get set for the regional tomorrow against Hammond Central. Brady, take me back to the Fairfield game. You injured your thumb. Did you know right away something was wrong? Uh, yeah, when I got up, something uh, did not feel right. I couldn't move my thumb, and uh, yeah. Did you think maybe your season was done at some point, or are you pretty confident you would make it back? Uh, no, nah, not really. It was just a thumb. It was hurting a little bit. I thought I'd just get it taped and uh, be good next week. <laughs> and I think right before the St. Joe game, you got cleared going into the doctor's office. Were you pretty confident you were going to get a good answer? Uh, I actually didn't know. He, uh, he put a cast on me and said this should heal it. Uh, but if, not, if it wasn't healed right, I probably would have had to get surgery. So I, I was a little nervous. But it worked out perfectly. It did, yeah. And it's really helped this basketball team coming down the stretch. 4-0 since you have gotten back on the basketball floor. You've had a little time now to kind of reflect on the sectional and the Michigan City game. What kind of stands out to you thinking back to the performance you guys had? 
Uh, we just we just executed uh, coach's plan. Uh, we rebound the ball and uh, we uh, played as a team and passed the ball and played hard and we won the game. Now that you've won a sectional, I know you guys are probably tired of hearing about first one since 1986. There is now another game ahead. How have you kind of changed your thought process of going from winning a sectional to now getting ready for another game? Yeah, uh, I, we definitely got to put the uh, celebrations aside. I had uh, some fun on Monday night, Tuesday night, uh, but it's time to go to work and it's time to prepare for Hammond Central. I don't know if you know this stat or not, but Mishawaka has only won regionals twice in 1927 and 1955. So it's been a lot, been a while since Mishawaka has won a regional. Has it been kind of fun, even though you're doing stuff for yourself, but also kind of rewriting history here at Mishawaka. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little fun, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun uh, doing things uh, you know we haven't done before. This team's really great and. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we like to do those. And just one final question for you. You've played in some big football postseason games, and now you're a veteran here in basketball. Do some of those football experiences, being in those big moments as a quarterback, you've got the football in your hand at all times, does that almost calm you since you've been there and done that in big games? Uh, a little bit. Uh, last year in basketball definitely helped a lot. Football and basketball got two little different atmospheres. Uh, True. But you but like playing in front of a big crowd, yeah. Last year in basketball and this year, uh, this year in football really helped with that. Best of luck against Hammond Central. Thank you, sir. I'm joined by junior forward Cooper Pritchett, the caveman. One day away from taking on Hammond Central in the regional over in Michigan City, a five o'clock tip on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Well, you've had a little time to kind of let it all sink in, winning a sectional. When you think back to last week and then beating Michigan City, what are a couple of things that come to mind right away? I mean, just the how long the sectional was, how much you had to grind to get there. But when you got to the championship and you got to play in that big moment, it was just it was just awesome to be a part of that whole week, whole week just getting to play for something. A lot of times when we get farther into the tournament, the scouting reports are going to be a little more in-depth and teams are going to look at Arthur Jones and this guy and they're going to try to take them away. Then guys farther down the scoring sheet are going to have probably more opportunities and I think you kind of took advantage of that with 13 against Riley and 21 against Michigan City. Did you feel like going into these sectional games that you might have to contribute a little bit more? Well, yeah, of course they're going to be locked down Arthur. I mean, Arthur's just a crazy playmaker. He makes amazing plays for us, so they're going a lot of attention will go to him when he drives, and I was, I'm just always right there for him to, for, to get his assists. And um, as we go, as they were pressing us, Riley and Michigan City, two-on-ones, every time down the court, me and Bray were just able to capitalize on those opportunities. What's it been like to be a Mishawaka Caveman basketball player walking through the hallways of Mishawaka High School this week? Has it been a little different? It, it is a little different because, you know, probably after every period, you'll at least have like two or three students or teachers saying, hey, good job, good job during sectionals, congratulations. And it's, it kind of just gives you a smile. You're like, wow, I actually did that, did that for our school. It's just, it is an awesome feeling. A lot of fun winning a sectional. Now you're getting set to take on Hammond Central in the regional. How has your mindset changed throughout the week? Um, 
it hasn't changed much. I mean, we won sectionals. We did what we really wanted to do at the beginning of the year, but now we realize that we have something bigger to play for now. We can win a regional. It's only one game this year, so, you know, we just need to keep playing our game. We're playing really well right now probably the best basketball he played all year so I mean if we just do our thing we can probably put ourselves in a good spot to win you playing a lot of travel baseball you've been in state tournament games you played in big tournaments down in Tennessee for example so you've been in some big game moments do those type of experiences help you as you get deeper into a basketball tournament do you feel pretty relaxed once you're out on the floor getting set for a game oh yeah I mean Playing in those big tournaments as a kid, I mean, you're playing for a championship. You're getting really excited. Maybe you're a little nervous because maybe it's one of the first times you've ever been in a championship. There's a lot on line. There's a trophy on the line. So that really prepares you growing up, like, leading up to the sectional championship game. I mean, I I was a little nervous, but once you get on the floor and you just start playing, I mean, it's just you're just in the zone, and those – tournaments when you're a child just kind of prepare you for those finally in the final five minutes of that sectional championship game against Michigan City you stepped to the line with a pair of one and ones and you hit both front ends of the one and one and buried the second free throw as well I'm wondering being in the front yard being in some pressure situations shooting free throws against me in contest did that obviously help you in that particular moment oh yeah I mean (laughs) the, the pressure on pressure on those were big in the front yard weren't they yeah this was but, nothing right oh it was nothing I mean but those were big free throws I think we were it was a four-point game at that yeah. point yeah. and I had gotten fouled and we really needed those to make it a two-person game and kind of give us be a little more comfortable going into the last stretch of the game and so just being able to hit those were huge all right best of luck thank you coach I want to take you back just to a couple of weeks you faced one of the best teams in the state Penn. And Penn had a great game and walked away with a pretty easy victory. You're 4-0 since then. I would have to imagine it would be very easy for a team to be down and frustrated after losing to your rival in that fashion. Why didn't it happen to your team? Um, I, I just think they got tired. These guys got hungry again and got tired of the losing, you know, losing to uh, Gosh and, uh, in the fashion we did, losing to Warsaw in the fashion we did getting kicked around by Penn a little bit and and don't get me wrong they're they're obviously a great team an elite team I thought we did a good job of competing against them Um, but I I think they also looked ahead a little bit and saw some teams that we could win against and uh, you know like I told the uh, the TVs um, this week um, you know once we got that sectional draw and it was kind of a favorable draw for us I think some some ears perked up a little bit and they, they looked at that and said we can win this thing probably didn't hurt that Anthony Nelson shot at the end of regulation to force that St. Joe game at overtime allowed you to really start building that momentum. The third quarter you guys played was maybe one of the best quarters of the year. Then the fourth quarter dropped off and Anthony kind of almost saved the day. Yeah, we drew up a play there and he hits it at the buzzard and it was a big shot. And and really that's that's kind of the irony or whatever you want to call it. Um, Really kind of set it up for the sectional, I think. Yeah, it did. Well, you've made it through the sectional now. The guys have probably been walking through the hallways here. Hey, great job. Congratulations. Have you noticed the team this week has kind of turned that page pretty quickly and now it's on to winning a regional? Yeah, I think they're honed in a little bit. They are focused. Um, you know, I remember 
I remember going into the semifinals, looking at them on the bus and looking into their eyes, and they just had that look of, we're not, we're not losing tonight. Same focus on Monday night. I, I look into their eyes, we're not losing tonight. And it's been the same way through practice this week. And I, I anticipate when we get on the bus, um, you know, Saturday afternoon to head to Michigan City, it will be the same look in their eye. It'll be all business. Um, these guys have really locked in, and I just think they're enjoying the ride. Coach, when you've watched some film on Hammond Central, are there a couple of things that immediately stand out? Oh, my. Um, yeah, first off, their length, their athleticism, um, their ability to pressure you on defense. Um, they can trap, and if they get you in traps, it could be um, troublesome for some teams, could be troublesome for us as well. Um, and then their ability to get out and score in transition. Um, they're very they're very well coached. Um, they, they've got several sets that they run, set plays that they run, that they run to a tee. So we're going to have our work cut out for us. Take away the height for a second, because I know not many teams have that type of height, but yeah. do they remind you of anybody that we played? They, they do, actually. You flip on the tape, and it's like they, they are very similar to Michigan City. So... Um, yeah, I think that will help in preparation this week for practice, or it has helped this week in, in practice, and uh, um, we won't have to really change the mindset on how we have to play this basketball game. Coach, best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. One. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We move into the 6 o'clock hour. At the bottom of the hour, we'll bring you coverage of the ACC Tournament semifinals from Greensboro. Right now, more Hoosier hysteria conversation. Retired high school basketball coach Mark Johnson, kind enough to join me once again the day before the regional round of Hoosier hysteria. Coach, you've been in this spot before. It's a one of those situations where there's a lot of teams across the state are very excited that they want a sectional but now it's time to get down to business once again and you move to the regional round and we were just having this discussion a moment ago a team like Mishawaka winning their first sectional in 37 years I think they're more loose now after getting over a big obstacle they feel pretty good coming into this week so I think it just depends on the mood of the team, probably that's how much as a coach you have to talk to your respective team. Well, again, Darren, thanks an awful lot for making me feel relevant again and, and bringing <laughs> this stuff up. But, I mean, it, I always thought the regional week was the best week in the entire tournament. I really did and do, simply because you have, at, at one time, you had four teams where everyone won their sectional and everyone thought this is the year where if we didn't have a really good season, hey, now we're starting to peak and play our best. If we had a really good year, hey, we got through that first step, and now we're ready to go on. And I can remember so many times as a high school player, as a young coach, as an old coach, that after the, the sectional was done, if you won, you would look up there and you'd see so many of your sectional opponents at the game. They'd be in their letter sweaters and they'd be there. Um, if you would get beat, you would be there. You'd take your following the next year's team and you would sit there and say, guys, if we pull our heads, you know, and, and focus where we can, we can be here the following year. And so uh, the, the regional week is tremendous. And I congratulate and I'm a little bit uh, um, 
I don't know what word I'm looking for, but um, I would love to be able to be in that same position as where these teams are right now. Coach, why do you think the IHSA decided to do away with the playing two games in one day at the regional level to win a championship? Now this year you play one game in regional and two games in semi-state. Well, again, Darren, it's a great question. And I, I will be very honest with you. I would love to sit there and we could have a week of shows where we could talk about what we did to our tournament. Um, one of the things that, again, I don't know if many people really noticed this or knew this, that the NCAA, they copied their tournament from the Indiana High School Basketball Tournament. And what we had was a situation is that we were able to draw and that you would have your sectional no matter how many teams you had it. And then you would break that down into 14 regionals and 14 semi-states until eventually the final four. Why did they change it to begin with? Well, I don't know. Um, could have been tweaked, but they completely changed it. And what they're trying to do now, if you would take a look, Darren, again, I, I can't speak simply for, um, I know, and I, I stammer when I say this because my thoughts aren't real clear, but when I think of a sectional crowd, I was told that Northwood had standing room only. Yes. Unbelievable. Standing room only. That's what you call a sectional crowd. And then you could go to the other places to where you see on the news, and you can always tell if it's not a real good crowd. They never panned the crowd. They just showed the lower section. Well, I heard that there were some other tournaments that there was basically nobody there. What are they trying to do? They're trying to get it back, I think, to where there's the fan base feels like, hey, this is really, really something. I hope they're not doing this so there can be more trophies. I, I think that's one of the worst things that we can do. This, the tournament is what makes it great, and we've had this conversation for ever since I've been retired. You had me on the shows. Is that the great thing about our tournament is the fact that it wasn't fair, that you had to play two games in one day, uh, that you had to play the second game, that you had to travel more. Yeah, great. Now let's go out and win a tournament. But if they're doing that so we can get more trophies, I think they're, they're defeating the purpose of what the tournament's all about. So I, I did a long walk around the block to get to the drinking fountain, but they changed the tournament, I think, again, to make it more like um, a climax yeah. kind of a thing. One game, and then we're going to play the two pressure games and then we're going to be in the state tournament. And along the way, with semi-state game tickets costing more than regional, they're making more money, whether that's on accident or not. That's reality. Now, um, let's... Well, and I'm going to come back. There is no coincidence, Darren. And, I mean, no matter what you do and what you look at, it's not a coincidence when things happen. And that's, you know, 50 cents will buy you half a candy bar. So let's go on now. Okay. All right. Let's talk about what's going to happen at South Bend, Washington tomorrow. We've got a doubleheader. The first game is Northwood taking on Lake Station Edison. Uh, Northwood, outside of Penn, is the best team that I have witnessed in person this year. And they put together, I think, a very solid performance coach on their home floor. And with the way a lot of these 3A powers have been knocked out of this tournament, looks like there's a little path right now for Northwood if they play good basketball. Well, again, Darren, we were talking about <clears throat> the tournaments before we went on air. Well, we're, we're Ohio State. And what Ohio State has been able to do from the, 
they were ready to fire their coach. All the players were leaving. The team was awash. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're pretty hot in a um, tournament atmosphere, which is the Big Ten tournament. So, again, it's not the best team. It's a team that's playing the best. And all you can do is go out there and perform to your highest. Um, Northwood is good. They're well coached. They have a tremendous fan base. And they got some kids that can really flat out play. They got good size. They can handle the ball. Uh, they got some shooters. They're really, really good. Now, and again, I haven't been out and I haven't seen Lake Station play. But if you look at their record, um, you look at the people they play, I got a feeling they're not chopped liver. Yeah. I think that they're coming into this the same thing. And, again, when you live up in that area, a lot of times it's kind of like Rutgers. We were talking about Rutgers. You know, if you're playing Rutgers basketball, man, you're going to be tough and you're going to be into the ball and you're going to be not selfish, and you're in it to win. Well, that's kind of how the region folks live. I mean, I can remember in all the years that I coached, we played all the Gary teams, all the East Chicago teams. We played Chesterton. I mean, we played all of those people. And when you played them, you played a different animal because they weren't going to give you anything. And I think Lake Station is going to do the same thing. And one of the things, Darren, we talked about a little bit about um, the first time in 37 years. A lot of times when you win that, and I've been there before to where like it's a it's a it's a breath of relief. Mm-hmm. We won the first sectional in the history of Bishop Dwanger High School. We won the sectional, we won the regional. Then we had the privilege of trying to stop Sean Kemp and Concord machine, and and we we didn't handle that one real well. But my point being, if you're going into that to where you not only breathe a sense of relief that now it's over, then you're going to get beat. And if you go in there and breathe, okay, we got by the first step. You have to remain humble, and you have to be exceptionally hungry. You have to be in tune with your coach. Yep. You have to be in tune with your teammates. And for all the people that come around and say, hey, you made history, and, man, great job, and we'll remember this, you need to walk away from those people because those people are making you think, hey, that this is over. Uh-uh, we're just getting started. Coach Johnson, how about a couple of thoughts? John Glenn and South Bend Washington in game two. Well, two different styles. Um, I would say John Glenn plays very similar to what Marion does, except they don't have a guard as good as uh, Sullivan. But um, John Glenn will be somebody that will take a little bit of time off the clock. Their offense is basically, for all the four years that he's been on the varsity, Hannah, uh, everything goes through him. They have decent ball handlers. They have decent shooters. Um, And, again, they play in the same conferences as Washington does. So very similar. They know similarities, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Uh, Washington has to be something to where I think they have to be able to put their will on them. They, they cannot allow John Glenn to force their will on Washington. I think Washington is a, lab, a little bit more um, solid. I don't know if that's the right word, but they're able more strength, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. Um, they have um, people that, you know, can play all five positions on the floor. I think that's a benefit. Um, we'll see. I, I think, again, I, I come back on this. 
where Washington, I thought they would really try to run, you know, in the tournament last week. And they really didn't outrun um, Marion. They didn't really outrun St. Joe, to where they played basically at the same even tempo. Well, maybe that's, again, by happenstance or maybe that's by design. I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see who dictates their will on the pace of how the game is going to be played. Mm. Let me just quickly move to Class 4A over at LaPorte. Penn's taking on Chesterton, then Mishawaka taking on Hammond Central. Coach, there's no doubt Mishawaka is playing their best basketball late in the year. Ever since they played Penn the last week of the regular season, they've really kind of come together as a team. I'm not sure how many times you've had that happen as a coach, but it's got to be a great feeling when you watch your team grow throughout the year and then when the lights are brightest, you play your best basketball. Well, that's what you call champions. Um, the players play when the game is on the line, and that is what Mishawaka has been able to do. And the fact um, my last year at St. Joe, we were able to play, it was at that time, Hammond High School uh, in the regional championship. Now it's Hammond Central where they consolidated. And what a, my point that I'm trying to make on this, they're very, very similar to many of the teams in the Northern Indiana Conference. Um, maybe a little bit better, maybe not quite as good as some, but they will play a similar style. When we were playing them at St. Joe, we treated them no different than like a Washington and the Adams and some of the. These are the things, guys, that we had seen throughout the year. Right now, it's just a different uniform and a different face, but the same style. And it's the same thing. I have heard that um, Hammond Central plays very similar to what Michigan City did last week. Well, again, Mishawaka plays similar teams throughout the year, even though they're not in the NIC anymore, but they still play majority of the South Bend area teams. Um, they played a style very similar to what it was in Michigan City last week. So this isn't something brand new for them. I think this is something that a style that they're used to. And again, the thing that's so, so important, who dictates their will? I think Mishawaka has to be a more physical team, very similar to Washington. They have to be a team that will be able to hang on to the ball. We've talked about this before. Their guards cannot turn the ball over. They have to make solid decisions of where the ball goes and who shoots the basketball. And then they have to be able to get stops defensively and not allow uh, Central to play patty cake on the offensive glass. They have to be able to do that. If they do that, you're going to get a chance in the prison home to celebrate for one hmm. more week. That would be awesome. Mark Johnson is my guest. One more question for you, and I know when I ask this, it's not just cut and dry, so I know I'm being very generic here. But when you're Chesterton, whoever's going to face Penn on down the line in this tournament, you got to deal with Marcus Burton, and there's good parts around him. As a coach, do you ever have to think about, do I let Burton get his points and take everybody else away, or do I have to do something to slow down Marcus Burton? Do you see where I'm going with that? Do you have a decision to make as a coach? You have a, a huge decision to make, and I'll go back to what we talked about when we played Sean Kemp in the semi-state. Um, then we have a decision when I played my brother in the semi-state when I was at Riley with Biggie Swanigan, where when you have an exceptional talent, you know, and I was more of a philosophy is that you have to make adjustments. You have to make tweaks. 
but you don't completely change the style of what you do to counteract one person. Well, I didn't beat either one of those teams. And so, I mean, jokingly aside, which is no joke, I guess, you know, um, maybe I should have made that kind of adjustment. But I think, again, what you have to do, you have to make them work for what they get. Burton is going to get his. I mean, he really is. But the key is, okay, if Joe Smith is going to get 20 points, let's hope Joe Smith shoots it 20 times to get 20 points, not that he shoots it eight times. You know what I mean? And then get a couple on the free throws. They have to be able to contain and make them work for what they do. And I think, you know, again, as you come into these tournaments, and, and again, the thrill of preparing to play in these games, and then the actual thrill of competing in these games, Darren, is, is beyond reproach. I, I miss that more than I miss anything. Uh, the popcorn was always good, and the hospitality lounge was <laughs> awful good as you advance. But, but the thrill of preparing and competing, nothing was greater than that. And I think the biggest thing onto that is, again, to stay humble and to stay hungry and to go into the game knowing, hey, we can get beat. Or if we do our best, that's all anybody can ask. And we've always tried to tell this to our players. You don't have to be the best. You have to be your best. And I think it's tremendously important that they understand they have to be your best. And if they do that, Mishawaka has got enough talent to win. They really do. If Penn does that, they have enough talent to win. And we'll just see. And then we can say the same thing with the other teams that they're competing against. Well, in the IHSA directory in alphabetical order, the team after Milan is Mishawaka. So maybe some of that good luck from Milan will rub off on the cavemen tomorrow. Coach, I appreciate well, your analysis. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I want to throw out again that when you talk about Milan, who was the coach at Milan? Gene Hackman. Oh, no, no, that was in the movie. You're, Sorry. You're close. Very good. <laughs> Marvin Wood. Marvin Wood. There you go. Okay, 1954. Who was the coach uh, for a long time at Mishawaka High School? Marvin Wood. Wood. Yeah. And I met Marvin Wood when I was assistant at LaSalle back in the, the late 70s, and he was the head coach then. And, and uh, my hometown is the Stones Throw for Milan. And hmm. when I saw Marvin Wood, I knew exactly who he was. And the first thing I did, I went to shake his hand, and I looked at that ring. And that was something that uh, every every player wow. and every every coach who, who ever touched or thought of a basketball dreamt of that. And the dream is still alive for these guys. Yep. And hopefully they'll enjoy it and make the most of their time. Coach, thank you for your analysis. Always appreciate it. And I'm sure there's going to be at least one local team left we can talk about next week. Let's hope so. Maybe there's a I couple. I love you, Darren. You never know. Greatly appreciated. Thank you, my friend. All right, Coach, thank you so much. That is retired high school basketball coach Mark Johnson. More sports beat coming up in just a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 